0: We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. We have a very special guest, one that I am extremely excited about, partially because I have to say she is endorsed by a mentor who I absolutely love. I've read most of her books, Gabby Bernstein. And uh, I can't wait for my guest to share a little bit about the story and connection of how she met her because it's just a wonderful story of synchronicity. But my guest today, you might've already heard about her is Marianne DiMarco. And she is the author of Medium Mentor, which is her second book. And for those of you watching on PAP11 TV, this is the book that I got a chance to review and read. And her first book is called Believe, Ask, Act. She's an internationally recognized psychic psychic medium, healer, and spiritual teacher. Her work has been featured in media outlets like the New York Times, The Dr. Oz Show, Women's Health, Ellie, and Redbook. After learning to meditate at the age of five, Marianne began consciously developing her connection with spirit in adulthood. Today, she offers validating and positive one-on-one sessions, powerful group readings, workshops, and individual mentorship for developing psychics. Marianne, welcome to the Path 11 Podcast. And I am so excited that you're here on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So I have to say, we have, our podcast has done fairly well over the years. I think we're close to like over 400 episodes. And when your book first came and I saw the word medium, I was like, I don't think I can bring another medium on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what else can I talk to a medium about, right? Right. But then I read a little bit more because I always like, you know, like to, to review the stuff that I actually get. And I did see that there was a forward by Gabby Bernstein. So I have never met her in person, but of course, feel like I know her and I've read um, any of her books. I've taken her book into a couple of my spiritual book clubs that I've done before and was like, all right, well, she's a friend of Gabby's, so she's a friend of mine and I'm <laughs> going to have her on the show. So she also wrote the forward, which was a really cool story. And thought maybe we could start there and then we'll go a little bit backwards to hear a little bit more about, you know, how you got into all of this at such a young age.
1: Yeah, I met Gabby through the Dr. Oz show. We were scheduled to be on the same day and quite oddly, actually, but really is that I was supposed to be on with other mediums. And at the last minute, they changed the topic and wanted me to go on with this woman, Gabby Bernstein. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I don't, you know, it was my first time doing big TV like that. And I was ner- very nervous and I didn't know her and I had known the other medium. So I was a little bit more comfortable. So I went in quite nervous. When I first saw her though, and we made eye contact. I was like, oh, okay, now I understand what spirit had going on here. They, they know what they're doing. We wound up getting into this wonderful conversation in the green room. And I started reading her and things that were going on in her life. I asked her if that was Okay. And right from there, we created this great relationship together. And she's one of my dearest, dearest friends. And uh, as she mentions in the book, I help her uh, learn how to connect to her own guides and uh, spirit friends on the other side that help give her connection in this life.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I love that that story. And just like you said, how kind of spirit comes in and interweaves these connections with us. And had you written your first book by then? Were you on the Dr. Oz show just to talk more about mediumship or?
1: I was on the Dr. Oz show promoting my first book and they wanted me to talk about, I thought they were, yeah, they wanted me to talk about angels, which I really, I thought was like, okay, you know, I didn't know really how, they, what way they wanted me to go. And then just, so I was really nervous, like I said, but having Gabby there I don't know, she just made it everything kind of calmed down and made me feel nice and grounded. And we did that for each other. And uh, we just took it from there. Beautiful.
0: Well, I love that you guys are connected because I feel very connected to her work and also yours having read this book, Media Mentor. So I think you are probably maybe only the second or third medium that I have interviewed that actually grew up in a home that was all about this stuff. It wasn't like, you know, I I know in your book, you later became confirmed as a Catholic. I think when you became an adult, but you're like, yeah, my mom was channeling when I was young and doing all this stuff. And sometimes I've heard stories where it's just the complete opposite. You know, some mediums are brought up in a very strict religious background. They had to break through some of the belief systems to get where they are. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like growing up and starting to meditate at five. My mom is
1: and was a very big spiritualist. She was very much into this work and she started going to meditation classes and learning a lot about sending her vibration and and higher level masters. And so of course she wanted to pass this enlightening information on to her child. And so for lack of a babysitter, I started going to meditation classes with her. And I remember chanting and oming and really wanting to see my third eye and, and trying to understand what all of that meant. And this went on through my adolescence, all through it. And, and I remember hearing about psychics and having it all be very, very normal. Opposite from others, I actually yearned for conform. All my friends were Catholics making communion and <laughs> wearing the pretty white dresses. I remember being like, oh, I, I don't know. And I used to just throw out like random religions that sounded normal, quote unquote, right? To kind of fit in. But in actuality, I was really just uh, connecting with people on the other side and thinking that everybody could do that. I didn't think it was unusual, gratefully enough. And my mom Allowed for that and never made it any more than what it was. She didn't overly focus on it. She just acknowledged that it was going on and tried to give me as much guidance along the way. So I never, I never had that fear attached to it.
0: Yeah. I was thinking too, you know, when I read that about you, all that I've come to learn about the brain and the neural pathways and neuroplasticity and to think that your brain was training to be in this frequency at such a very young age is just kind of, you know, phenomenal too. And like you said, oh, I thought everybody was doing this. It might have like increased probably your accuracy and your ability to do it because that's just the way that your brain has been trained. It's not like you're starting that in your 20s or 30s or whatever the case may be. So,
1: right. No one told me to switch off. Right. Right. So my, my brain, my energy, vibration from, Uh, wherever this was coming from at that time was pretty fluid. I I just didn't question even the scary things, you know, even because I was so unfiltered, it didn't have boundaries as a child. Some of that imagery was really tough to deal with, but I just never questioned it. It was never questioned around me. And so
0: I was allowed to continue with that free thought. And I'm really grateful for that. Awesome. So I have to ask too, you said you kind of like crave conformity. Oh, yeah. what was it, you know, what what was kind of like your journey to become confirmed and to move into the Catholic religion out of all the ones that you could choose? I'd like to hear a little bit about that process, too.
1: I grew up on Long Island and everyone around me was Catholic. I have Italian heritage and ev- all my family members were Catholic. When I got older and I got married and I had children, I wound up sending them to Catholic school. Very much on a fluke though. I I didn't think I was going to do that because I wasn't I didn't consider myself a confirmed Catholic at all. I was baptized Catholic, but I never we never followed through with the religion. And I felt that if I was putting my children through that, then I should walk the walk myself and really understand what it what it was that we were committing to. And so I started just taking religious classes with this wonderful priest and a sense of conformity probably that I yearned for. When I look back on it now. I realized it, this was all part of divine timing and divine planning. And I think what it really did was just get me reconnected to that higher power again with some consistency in, in a practice. And now I consider myself a spiritualist that respects religions, the best of them all. And I decided to uh, really create a, a spiritual practice that serves me best. For my own authentic way. And, and some of that is just, you know, with prayer and believing in a higher power, but for many different sources at this point. Beautiful. I
0: love that. All right. So we are going to kind of get into the book here in just a moment 10 Powerful Techniques to Awaken Divine Guidance for Yourself and Others. So you really give the reader. Um, Just a beautiful baseline for anyone that's really tapping into their ability. A couple of things that I wanted to talk about was how you addressed fear in the book and also boundaries. And you just mentioned too, uh, that when you were younger, you might have been exposed to something that felt a little bit fearful or scary. And what do you do with that information, you know, when that happens? So let's see, where should we go? All right, I'm going to bring the word triumph in in a little bit. I had Said to Marianne before I hit record, record that spirit was kind of kept. I kept hearing this word this morning before getting on it in my morning meditation. I'm preparing for this interview and I kept hearing triumph. Talk to her about triumph. People need to hear what it's like to overcome and to get where you are. So Maybe I'll throw that out there now because maybe the triumph has to do with these techniques too that you've developed to really help people to overcome um, their fears or struggling with their boundaries or their inability to maybe control their emotions and feeling really ungrounded in all of this. So let's start with fear because if we can overcome fear, there's the triumph, right? Yes. One of the main blockers. Fear is one of absolutely one of the main blockers
1: and to triumph, I think is really the the biggest, biggest pull that I get to say is that it, it is in its moment. Are you addressing it in its moment? Are you allowing your fear to present itself, recognizing what it is, and then doing the work in order to work through that fear and allow it its moment because it's a really wonderful learning moment. And when you learn from those moments, I think you triumph in that moment as well. And that could be personally, spiritually, professionally, whatever that looks like for you. So in my life, I found that the more I faced what I was most afraid to do, get divorced, move on, commit to being a psychic medium, and then coming out and letting everybody know that that's what I was doing. Like, hey, I speak to dead people. (laughs) The more I did that, the more I moved into a space of authenticity and the more that it was revealed to me. And so there are these wonderful moments of triumph. The other part of that is that you also understand that fear is always going to present itself. We're, We're in this human realm, it's part of it. But the beauty of that is that you get to, then you see why it's showing up. And you're like, ah, now I can do my work. I could do my work with spirit. I could understand myself on a deeper level. And then you move through that. I think I talk about in the book, I had this uh, very interesting meditation where my guides were showing me, you know, these rats. And I have a terrible fear of rats. Rats freak me out. And they were fighting each other. and, And my guide said to me, now put out your hand and put some food in your hand. And what do you think that would do? You know, and I said, well, that will feed them. And we don't want to do that. Let fear fight itself. When we feed our fear, we nourish it. It it grows and it gets bigger. And I think learning that and understanding that's going to show up. But in those moments, we can absolutely overcome it. And they can be part of our greatest triumphs in life.
0: Really our greatest triumphs. Yeah. I love that example that you gave. You also gave a, um, a really good one, which also incorporated some of the fear and the boundaries. Her name is slipping my mind right now, but I believe it was one of your students mm-hmm. and she was doing an Instagram reading. Yeah. There was yes. a man that had come in and she just started to feel like really icky inside. She shut the, the reading down and then like came to you. It sounded like to process it. And you kind of loved it, but made her own it. Like that was her stuff. It wasn't this man that was sucking your energy out of Instagram and, you know, making you feel these things. So I would love for you to go into that a little bit more. I love that story, bro.
1: I love that story. Yeah, she was spiritually slimed and she allowed herself to sort of take that on. And I said to her, you just fed your fear right into the energy of what you were picking up on this individual who was speaking. Maybe you were picking up on his vibration, yes, or his storyline, his frequency, whatever that may be, which we must do. If we're opening ourselves up to being psychic mediums, we wanna remember that our empathic abilities are going to be at the forefront in order to relay messages over to the other person with empathy and care and concern and compassion, all those wonderful things. And so I said to her, why are you owning that? That's a boundary. If you do your protective work, if you are working from the, for the greater good and from the higher good of all concern, then that's not any of your business, his vibration. It's your business in that you're understanding his storyline, but it's not for you to take home. So I said, release that. You're not, this guy isn't coming through the internet to come get you. You're allowing his vibration to be part of yours. Now so release and do your protective work and give it back. And we had a we had a lovely conversation over that. We did a lot of laughing over that because, you know, you realize, oh, this is, this is on me and our boundaries very much, uh, whether you're doing this for yourself or you're planning on doing it for other people, boundaries are just hardcore. You have to be very strict in your boundaries and what you want. And that's, that comes from having conversations with your guides. And We talked about some of the scary things that I saw as a child. I was, you know, saw heavier energies or I was able to smell illness. I didn't want to do that when I came into this work. I thought that was way too much. Thank you very much. I don't want it. And so I said to my guides, I'm all in, but let's negotiate here. Let's talk about what I want to see and what I don't want to see.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was very open and I would had these beings kind of visit me at night. And I went to my healer and mentor and she's like, you're, you're so open right now. You need to talk to them and say, you can't visit me at nighttime.
1: Yeah. Go away. I am sleeping. Thank you very much. And I tell people you could be strong worded too. You, you know, just because we're spiritualists doesn't mean we're saints. Like get it, get your, get your sass on. If you feel like that's how you communicate and that's your personality. Please speak to energy that way as well, because I'm all about the. Are you kidding me? It's 3 a.m. and these are my family members. I'm like, you need to go. I am tired. Unless you have something really important to say,
0: it's a no. Yeah, you know. And the other thing that I teach my students around energy work too is that, like you had said with this with this one woman, like she might have been tapping into his frequency or information about him. But I usually tell my students, like, when you get that, you say, thank you, not mine. And I return it back. Yes. And I was also curious to see what did you think about our intention and our belief systems? Right. So... I remember when I first got into some of the energy work stuff when I was younger, there was so much practice like, okay, wash your hands up to your elbows, make sure that there's a bowl of water with salt in it underneath the massage table to have this crystal for this and this crystal for this and surround yourself in white light, right? And, and all of these rituals, I was like, okay, I better do this, right? Because I don't want this negative energy to come in. But then I met a teacher. And he kind of talked about intention and how intention moves consciousness. And if you have a belief system that you can get slimed through the internet, then you might need a metaphor or a visual thing to create to take the slime off. Mm -hmm. But if you don't hold a belief system that you can absorb other people's energy or that you have those boundaries, then you don't need these metaphors or these washing techniques and these bowls of salt water um, in your room because you're not feeding into that energy.
1: I agree. I agree. I agree. I think sometimes that, and to your point, is this mine or is this theirs? That's what I tell my student. Are you really picking up on that for yourself or are you experiencing the vibration of somebody else? And if that's so, then let's work with that. And to me, that is, takes a lot of practice. It's where your intuitive skills come in. It's where you're, and it becomes instinctual. You just know that you could start to to move in that space. I think when we first get started, some of those practices are important. It helps people feel safe, but I agree. I think that spirit will show you that if you are working for that greater good and from that higher good, if you'd like to do those things, because it just makes you feel good and it makes you, gives you a little extra ump. and, And a lot of people enjoy part of that as being a consistent practice. Just don't put fear into it. Put joy into it. Put gratitude into it. Honor it. Honor its origins. Yeah. Uh, if, if you enjoy that stuff, my, by all means, put your crystals out, charge them in the full moon and enjoy that. I, I love stuff like that, but it's not for fear. It's for fun. It's for added vibration. It's even, and if it's helping you, if you're in a negative space in your life, if you're going through a lot, And you want to put salt around your door or you want to do uh, something that makes you feel wonderful to help you raise your vibration, whether it's salt or listening to music, do that. But again, use it as a tool to enhance your frequency, to allow the good to flow through you again and to readjust your alignment. But let's not put fear into it. I love that. Thank you for saying that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you too. And sometimes those tools like the salt or the crystal or whatever helps us to focus our intention too, you know, and sometimes if we don't have a trained mind, maybe like you were starting at five, right. you know, years old, you know, in order to use that as a focus point. So maybe some mediums might have a certain like, you know, a crystal ball, right? Yeah. It's a tool that I use to get me focused. And it doesn't matter if it's a crystal ball or if it's a glass of water or tea leaves or whatever the case may be. It just helps the person to focus.
1: Absolutely. Because you could really be nervous when you start doing this work as well. The ego gets in there and the ego wants to mess with you. What if you get it wrong? What if you're not going to make connection? And I find that some of those tools really help because I grew up this way, but I didn't grow up reading people. When I started reading people, I of course, I got nervous. You know, what if Spirit It doesn't talk to me today. Whatever that is, your ego can really get the best of you. So I had a crystal with me. I'd light a little candle. Uh, I, I would do a, a, obviously a little prayer beforehand, whatever worked for me in the moment. And I found that those things calmed me down. If you have your, you know, pull a card for yourself, if you, you know, just to give you those prompts, I think very much help. What I tell my students is don't be surprised when spirit starts to take that away. And when they take those crutches sort of away and they layer in other things and they show you other things, Except, aside if you're doing the like the tarot though, things like that, where you are real well-versed in that, use those cards. I, I have such respect for the people who could do the tarot because yeah. though, you know you really have to know what you're doing and astrology, the same thing. That's different. Those are well-needed tools in that arena. But other than that, yeah, just go along with what feels good in that
0: moment. Spirit's happy to show you what you need and what you no longer need. Yeah, so kind of following up to this, I don't think I've actually read a book by a medium that talked about this, which is the delivery of the message. And I love that. Um, Thank you. Because that is so important. And I, you know, I teach that a lot with my students too. And, and granted from some other of my teachers where necessarily, and I'm not saying that these are your words, but what I was always taught was ask yourself before you make the delivery, will this be helpful? Yes. Will these, will these words serve? Will they serve? Will they be helpful? Yes. And not to deliver information that is disempowering or that can make people feel fearful. But I think the mastery of someone like with the work that you do is finding that way to deliver it in the empowering way, in a way that could be helpful. So I'd love for you to talk about the delivery and how you teach that.
1: I appreciate that. It's, one of, it's, a, it's a hard line for me. Coming into this work and honestly seeing people be irresponsible in delivering message and giving that over and having clients come to me who were very frightened, you know, by other people giving the messages and experiences that they had. I knew that when I started to teach, this was something that I really wanted to be strong about. Mm-hmm. And delivering message with care, concern, and compassion, understanding that as a psychic medium, as a a healer, as a life coach, as somebody that is channeling period in your life for others, we must deliver with responsibility behind it. We must understand that there's a weight of responsibility as well. When you're, especially when you're dealing with people's lost loved ones on the other side, that they're grieving and that there are feelings here. And so you want to ask yourself, is this message going to serve this person? Is this for the greater good? Is this something that they can walk away with and feel healed? What's your takeaway look like? when you're giving somebody their spiritual prescription, when you're giving them their guidance. And I worked very hard understanding my translation and always going with the translation for the higher good. And it takes practice to do that. And if anyone's listening and wanting to do this work, please go to classes, please practice. And when you're sitting in class, make sure that you're hearing that. And if it's not being delivered, that it's being corrected. Uh, if it's not being delivered in a good way that the teacher is correcting it. Because it happens. People just, you know, blurt out whatever in the beginning. And and that's, you're just trying to, you know, get the message across. But it must be done, I think, with a responsibility behind it. And I've heard it too many times. If you're at a reading and somebody is giving you scary messages, please leave.
0: <laughs> Don't get up. Get up. Gather your belongings. Yes. And gets to stepping. <laughs> well, and I think, I, I don't know, I, everyone that I've talked to at some point might have, actually, I think this happened to me when I was in Sedona, Arizona, when I was younger and I went for a reading, but it was one of those, oh, and there's a curse. Oh, yes. For $500. That's I go get that
1: lifted. that day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but they're the only one that can do it. They're the, the only one, one that, that can is. do it. Right. Bury the money only where they are. Yeah, that, and that it is out there and people, and they're gifted. They have abilities, but they tend, they use it for, you know, lesser means. I don't know why they do it, honestly, but I can tell you that if you are looking for a reading, again, we want to, if you are carrying your energy in that positive, unfearful way, then you will be connected with the right person. Make sure that it feels like there's a flow and energy between the two of you before you sit down with anybody to receive a
0: reading. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So maybe I'll share like a personal story too. Of when we're on this topic of delivery, it just happened a couple of weeks ago, actually. And I've, I've been doing the work for a while. I'm not I don't consider myself to be a medium, although I have experiences during the energy work that I do with clients. Yeah, you're a beautiful healer. It's mediumship, like thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I I know enough to kind of ask a lot of questions when I'm doing some of the healing work. And so I had a client recently, and you know, as soon as I put my hands on her there was a lot of scary visuals that were coming in. It was kind of like grotesque, horror movie-like, lots of blood, you know, all of this. And I was like, okay, there was a part of me that wanted to shut this down and be like, what is going on, you know? But then i learned, don't feed the fear. Just ask more questions. And I could tell it was a male that was coming in and trying to communicate with her and she's trying to understand it. So I said, Well, can you help me to understand why you're giving me these images? And then he showed me a picture of Freddy Krueger, which back in my day, that was like one of the horror movies to watch. (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm -hmm. particularly. So I was like, Okay, thank you. And I actually had said, I got it, I got the information now you can kind of shut off the visuals that you're getting. me Again, kind of like taking control, even with the band. And there were other, some beautiful messages that came through. But at first, like had this happened to me 20 years ago, you know, or if I was a student in like my Reiki training, I might've said, oh, it was really bloody, and gory. And, you know, I don't know. I just felt like somebody was dying or something like that. But I learned in my delivery that I had said to this client, you know, it feels like a man was coming in and there was this message There's this beautiful, beautiful message. I said, it felt like he was trying to show me that he really liked horror movies. You know, I went to the Freddy Krueger instead of the blood and the gore. And she said he was a huge horror fan and he was also murdered and his death was that, like a horror horror mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like that validation. So again, it was like one of those moments just being really grateful for to be taught how to have that delivery and where it was enough information but then the client was able to reveal she knew exactly what that meant and why he was also coming in to kind of show some of this
1: so a, a beautiful beautiful delivery when when you when we allow ourselves to see those heavier images which is very important because not everybody had this very peaceful passing or had peaceful lives or their lives might've been filled with, you know, trauma and and heartache or the person that you're reading might be experiencing a lot. And so we have to open ourselves up to what that feels like or what that may look like. And I had a very similar experience with a woman, I write about this in my first book, who grew up in a satanic household. And I, I started to see all of these images and I thought, oh my goodness. What I realized was, and I thought I was actually seeing a horror movie, but I was really seeing her life. And in order to help somebody heal in those spaces, spirit needs to show us those images and your translation was just perfection. And I absolutely love that you you thought about the delivery. And I I think that that's really important, too. And I tell spirit, please give me the words to serve. How can I craft this in a way that will uh, resonate with the person that I'm, I'm sitting with, but not scare them or frighten them? And I think you did that really beautifully. And I and I think that's taught. And it's also a testament to your practice and how committed you are. You, to learn how to do that takes time and it takes practice and careful thought. Well done.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, and also my mental health background. So I've been a mental health therapist for about 20 years, but it makes me think too. And we don't, I don't think I've ever talked to a medium about this either. Like in clinical therapy, we can become vicariously traumatized by the trauma stories. Sure. And then they always say, seek supervision, You know, talk to another therapist about the stories that you are hearing. And I can only imagine that it has to be very similar because you are also working in the realm of, we'll say, death. I like to use the word transition because re- they're not really dying per se. They're mm-hmm. just kind of living out of the physical form. But this is like heavy stuff that you're doing on a daily basis. So do you have any recommendations for that type of supervision or when, you know, it sounds like that was a really heavy case too of working with someone, you know, that grew up in a satanic household. And, you know, it's probably much different, but then to have that session be done and be like, whoa, Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about processing some of the heavier cases? Do you have a go-to person that you go to just to process a little bit of what you've experienced and saw?
1: I do. You know, I have my teacher, my beautiful teacher, Pat Longo. But what I really learned was Understanding that my guides will help me filter that energy. They've also taught me how to let go and do release energy work at the end of each session. That feels a little much. Yes, I have uh, heard uh, countless ways that people can transition. And yes, it has affected my life uh, in many ways. And it can conjure up fear and worry and concern. And what I always say is spirituality is comprehensive care. It is part of your healing process. Yes, it's part of your connection, but if you're really listening, then you will be led to modalities in order to help you, earthly modalities in order to help you process and understand your own paths and own lessons. So I've been led to therapists that time in my life. My mother's a psychotherapist, so it's no surprise, you know, spiritual teachers, people of like mind that I've met through classes, books, acupuncture, taking care of my vessel, my body in a very certain way, absolutely helps with that release and understanding to not apply them to my own life. Again, we go back to what is mine and what is theirs. And this has taken time and and again, very much practice not giving into the fear or allowing other people's storylines to affect my own life. And over the years, over the many years that I've been doing this, and even since I was a child, I do have an interesting way to just uh, release. And it's, it's, again, we go back to that hardcore boundary. And what I also do is I send that storyline a lot of light. Uh, I give it prayer. I give it light. I send them on their way. I ask their guides and their loved ones to protect them and be with them. And that very much helps me release the energy because it feels uh, act, like an action that I can do. And so I'll, I'll include them in my healing circles and whatever that looks like. And, and to me, that's something, another technique that I've learned over the years, that when I give over that light and send them on their way in their own in their own space, but with hopefully good guidance that spirit has given them and, and hopefully they get led to other areas of, of healing. And uh, that seems to help.
0: Yeah, and I think what's important about what you just said too, it's like as you're in the field for a while, you also realize you don't have to hold on to these stories. No, you don't have to become yours. You know, it's like you can let them go. Whereas I see some of my younger students at first are like, "Oh my God, that person's energy," and they had me like this for like three days. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, three days, not even <laughs> minutes. Yeah, you sort of want to do that release
1: work. You want to work on that. I, I wasn't ever really formally taught that. I had kind of learned that myself, that I was give myself permission to give it back because we're not here to figure out somebody else's contract. The ego would want us to do that, to make it right, to continue the storyline. I hope I gave them enough. I hope the messages were okay. Blah, 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 blah. And then that hamster wheel of thought, you know, our earthly self can get in the way. When you realize you're just the conduit and that this work is not about you at all. It's really about the light that comes through you in order to serve that very much helps. It's almost a relief in a way uh, that it's not for us to figure out. But if you're doing it again with care, concern, compassion, if they have, if you're concerned for their well-being, please, you know, give them to the right people in order to handle that. Yes, follow through. But spirit's going to provide all of that for you. And just like anything else, practice makes better. You just keep doing it, and you realize what serves you well, and you just keep doing it over and over and over again.
0: Okay. So there's another part in your book and you talk about how many times people will lead in with, this is going to sound crazy, but. <laughs> yes. And I have one for you. Oh, I
1: love it. I promise you, I won't think you're crazy. Okay.
0: And <laughs> uh, and then you can go into kind of talking a little bit about that since we kind of mentioned mental health in a, in a little bit. So you covered it really beautifully. So I read your book. Last week, we were going to, I think, meet on a Friday and then we rescheduled. Yeah. And the day that I sat down, it was like this beautiful, like nice, cozy, rainy day, had like a fire on and I read it. And then after I read it, this, it wasn't boring, but then I took a little nap. But it was like this, I was kind of like in a meditation sleep, not fully asleep, not fully awake. And all of a sudden, this is going to sound crazy, but I had this craving for these black and white cookies. Do you know the black and white cookies? Yes, I do. I I, I don't know if they're Italian. So my family's Italian too. And I love that you were Italian. But, and then all of a sudden I'm craving it was Boston cream cake. And so I wake up from my nap and I say to my husband, I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I just read this medium's book. And as I'm falling asleep, I'm like craving these cookies. I don't think I ever had a black and white cookie before. That is not my cookie of choice. So this is what's like a little weird about it, right? I'm like, And Boston cream cake, maybe once every two years. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love food. I love my desserts. But these are not things that I regularly would go out and buy or my body would crave or my body would want. So he was like, oh, well, what do you think that is? And I said, well, I don't know, but I'm reading this person's book. I don't know if I'm picking up on maybe something that she enjoys or maybe these desserts have some sort of meaning to her and maybe they don't. And maybe I was just like, for whatever reason, I'm gonna try these two desserts that I don't normally eat, but I went out and I got them. So, but I figured because it's you and I feel like I could say something crazy like this, even though it feels weird to say, oh, well, do you have any idea why I might be thinking about black and white cookies and craving Boston cream um, cake? It was like mm-hmm. cake with Boston, the Boston cream, you know, in the center of it. So, Well, first, I,
1: I love, I'm obsessed with the fact that you went and got it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I a, that's, what I was that's what I was thinking I was about. Thinking about. <laughs> You're a woman after my own heart because I would have been like, I need to have that in my life right now at this moment. I'm going to get that. Secondly, I want to tell you that you are safe and I tell all of my students that when they tell me, and you might think I'm crazy, I always say, trust me, you're safe with me. I've heard it all. You're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And uh, lastly, I will tell you, it absolutely resonates. Uh, and I know exactly why you are talking about that, uh, because you are talking about my father-in-law, my, uh, who is deceased, my ex-father-in-law, really, who is talking about my ex-husband. Actually, my, my ex-husband loves black and white cookies and uh, Boston cream pie. Those are his favorites. And we are very amicable, so I can talk about it yes my ex verymple. So that's what that is about. And so, yeah, you are picking up on a, a storyline, probably from my father-in-law on the other side who was trying to get my attention. he often does very good. And right. then what you did was, you didn't hesitate to say what you are seeing, hearing, and feeling. And that is one of the uh, greatest things that I can hear come from somebody. It's what I one of the biggest things that I teach don't hesitate. My beautiful teacher taught me just spit it out. Even if you think it sounds totally bizarre. And I always tell people, if you think you're crazy, then I'm certifiable. There is, you know, don't worry. You're not crazy. This is really part of who we are. It's something that we were born with uh, knowing to do. We were just taught to forget. And when you lean into it and you start to really trust it, you will start talking about black and white cookies and fostering thing. Probably. You will not know why. <laughs> and yeah. somebody will look at you and go, I know exactly why you're saying that. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, in the beginning, it took me a while to deal with my own ego of, I don't, I don't want to be wrong. And I don't right. want to be embarrassed. Yes. And, and it will show that. up. And look. Yeah.
1: No matter how many years I've been doing this, you know, the ego will present itself and it's tricky. It loves to come up in many, many different ways. When you are consistent in this practice, you start to recognize it a little bit easier. And then just like your fear and your doubt, you get to work with it. It becomes a learning tool. It's no longer a detriment. It's a superpower. And you say to yourself, oh, so my ego's showing up, is it? Let me get into what that's all about. And then you can do lots of wonderful different mental therapies, emotional therapies for yourself, whatever that looks like. You can go into cord cutting and soul contracts and all that fun stuff. But what I realize is that the better that I got at recognizing those, the easier it be, starts to become to remedy through. And you just sort of look at that. I look at that ego now. I'm like, I see you. I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to move on anyway. I'm going to get in there anyway. I'm going to say what it is that I want to say or I'm going to experience it within myself. As far as my readings are concerned or when I'm working with clients, it doesn't show up too much anymore. I just sort of spit it out because I just trust them so much. You develop this relationship with energy and spirit and your guides, angels and loved ones, all of them. And, and the more you do the work, I'm in awe of it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not me doing it, but just how clever they are, how amazing they are to make their point across. That's incredibly comforting.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, for me too, what made me distinguish the difference between, oh, I woke up from a nap and I'm maybe craving some sugar was that I don't eat these things, but why? Yeah. And this is bizarre. And maybe it's nothing, but I've learned to, kind of realized like, no, maybe it's something and just bring it up because she Why like, not? Oh, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I'm so happy my my loved ones didn't
1: spiritually slime you and that they gave you a yummy dessert instead.
0: <laughs> and I don't worry yeah. it. Now I understand the craze about these black and white cookies. Like every time I go to like craft fairs or, you know, see was always see the black and white cookies, you know? And I'm like, so good. Ah. yeah, that was my first time. So delicious. You could thank my father-in-law, <laughs> father-in-law. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. We actually covered a lot of my questions. We're kind of coming close to time. There's two more things, if you don't mind. Let me just kind of reference in the book, too. There is this great chart. This goes back to fear, page 50 that you really challenge people. You give people to, in this book, kind of exercises that they could do, some meditations. Yeah. Um, so there's this one great chart on fear. Never heard it before. I'm like, oh, this is a good one. I'm going to use this with the people where you challenge people to identify their fear. Yes. The chart. Mm-hmm. what you would do without it. Mm-hmm. And then what is the mantra? Right. So I love that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, why you put this in the book and how to kind of shift into a affirming mantra. Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you.
1: I put that in the book because so many people deal with this. And what that chart also does is it helps, I find it to be an effective tool to help you change your perception Mm -hmm. of what your situation looks like, whether it's delivering for other people or just making connection or just something that you might be experiencing in your life. And what I found was that when you put down your fear and then what you would do without it, out of that can come a really powerful mantra. And if you repeat that, you're now changing your thought process. You're also changing your perception. Your vibration starts to change. It's just a wonderful tool. And you can continue to go in and do that. The idea of what if I don't get the job I want, right? I won't have any money. I won't have this. If you don't get the job, you can write something like, I've cleared space in order to receive the best job that I can have for the greater good of all concern, whatever that looks like, right? I trust that spirit will bring me my job in divine timing. You can kind of work with many different variations, but what it does is it changes that that translation, like we were talking about, like what you experienced while you were with your client. All of a sudden you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is really crazy. But if I change the perception and I deliver it in a way that feels positive, now it becomes the positive. And we can work with that frequency in our worldly realm. It's really important to do that because it's, it's life-changing on many levels when you realize you can create your own vibration and your own role in your life. And this, I think, is a beautiful start to moving and navigating through fear. Just understanding that it's existing, but your perception on it can be uh, really positive if you choose. That's where the accountability comes in.
0: It's where our free will gets in there. yes, right. if you choose, yes. Our choice. Okay. So last thing, this comes back to the triumph. So I am one of these people that I love reading the acknowledgements. Okay. Like I started the front of the book, the back of the book, and then I skim, and then I go through the whole thing. Where's uh, are no, similar reader. You're a similar reader. I do the same thing. So the, the one that, and maybe it's because I'm an entrepreneur too, and you know, you have to get a lot of no's before you get some yeses. And yes. so- this and the triumph thing came to me today, but I had this written down in my notes that I wanted to talk to you about because it was thanking your editors and New World Library, who they send us amazing people all the time. You saw the numbers and you said yes anyway. You said yes because you believe in the integrity of the work. So, and to me, that was like, oh, all right. So you saw the numbers and you said yes anyway. I was like, maybe there weren't a lot of numbers, but she still persevered. She still triumphs. They, Somebody saw her and accepted her and said, we're going to go for this. And so I want to hear a little bit about that and how you kind of triumphed with maybe smaller numbers, but then all of a sudden, you know, have this and New World Library and here you are out and just doing all this great stuff. Well, thank you for asking that question. I love that question.
1: Yeah, writing a book is very interesting process and it can be very daunting and it does boil down to a lot of numbers. How many books did you sell? How many books can you sell? And those numbers for my first book were humbling. You know, my first book was this, these books that came out. And so to do a second book became a challenge, but my guides, I kept hearing, write this book, write this book, write this book. And New World Library, Georgia Hughes, specifically my editor, who I absolutely adore, saw this and said, I want to do this book because I feel what you feel. And so this book became, uh, is really a, a passion project. You know, it's just something that felt right at the right time. And I, I didn't chase it. I just allowed it to be. And I... I ask spirit. I hear you, you know, this is what you want me to do. So I'm clearing space to allow the right people to come in the right moment. And I will just sit and I'll do my job whenever it is that you're ready. And in in walked uh, New World Library and they said, we want to do this with you. And uh, they were the only ones who who wanted to. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. And I was just really, it was nice to work with people who just understood the integrity of the work. And I feel like that's a lot of what they put out. And I was just really grateful for that. And and thank goodness it's it's uh it's proven to be a beautiful experience.
0: Yeah. Well and I love the fact too that you trusted within your guides. Mm-hmm. If the first book and the numbers were humbling and you didn't let the ego kind of say, you shouldn't write another book again. What are you thinking?
1: A lot of people around me told me not that it's too much work. But, you know, you don't I don't. I didn't write this book to make some sort of fortune off of it or whatever. You know, I wrote this book because I felt the information was really important to get out. It's information that I craved when I was really getting into this work. And I I just wanted to get it out there. And when I committed to that in my mind and my soul, I realized that that's all it, it is. That's all it's meant to be. And spirit gave me the right people in order to get that out there in that in that same way. And I'm so much appreciative of it. So it's been, a I, I tell Georgia all the time, it's just been a really a beautiful experience this book has flowed out of me it flowed out of me right from the beginning and i I didn't feel like i was
0: chasing anything and uh, it's been a great journey with it i love it i will and i'm so glad that it landed in my lap and in my life and you know you only need one yes right you can get a meds right but you get a million no's all the time gabby
1: Yeah, Gabby said, and I said to her, I remember when I sold it and I was, I might, I got a little bit like, I don't know, this is going to be like an investment for me. And she said, she said the perfect words, you sold a book during a pandemic. Good for you. Like Mm -hmm. you did it and it doesn't, and it really doesn't matter what the rest of it looks like, honestly, you know, and it was like with the right people. And she, she helped me see that real quick, how, how beautiful the experience is
0: and uh, was and still going to be. Well, and I'm sure what's going to happen, like me, right? So I didn't, I've never heard about you from your first book, but I heard your second book. So then what does that do naturally? Oh, yeah, that's going right. to check out our first book. How many people are checking out my first book now?
1: And I had, and believe me, the, the, I had wonderful feedback on the first book, but you know, you allow our environment is so polarizing. Uh, and my background is sales. You know, I, I, before I had children, and stayed home with my children, I had sales work. So I had this worldly mindset put into it, that, that measures your success, that book. But this book is really about, I hope it connects. And I hope that you feel the light that I felt writing it come off the pages and through to you. And if that's something that you feel, and if I was able to extend and pay forward that light in some way, shape or form, I'm good. That's enough That's for me.
0: You absolutely did. There's a lot of light in there. I loved it. I've enjoyed it immensely. I've enjoyed this conversation. It has Thank been you. fabulous and wonderful. And before we go, can you let people know where they can find more information about you and your workshops and, you know, the sessions and everything that you do? Sure. All of
1: my information is on com. You could find me there, Marianne the Medium on Instagram
0: and Facebook. Great. All right. We will be following you. I'll be keeping tabs on you and see what you're up to. And when you write your third book... You are always (laughs) invited back on to the show and we'd love to help you and promote anything that you're doing because you have amazing energy and it really comes through. And those are the people that I'd like to support. So thank you so much. Your questions have been lovely. And I love,
1: like I said, I felt your energy before we got on and I was like, oh, this is going to be such a beautiful conversation. And it was. Spirit was right. So thank you very, very much for your thoughtfulness. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. And I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, the book Medium Mentor, Mary Ann, no E at the end, okay? Mary Ann DeMarco check her out, follow her to read the book, read the first book, read the second book first, read the first book second, whatever you'd like to do. And maybe you guys are gonna go out and eat some black and white cookies today. But whatever you do, have a great day and I will be sure to bring you another amazing person next week. So take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit PAP11TV.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com, and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.